What up? This is the Twice Over Film Club, and I'm your host, Faraz. Today, we got our full episode on Nomadland. This episode does contain spoilers, so if you want some insight on the film without spoilers, check out our preview episode from last week. Make sure to visit thetwiceover.com to see your tally for this film and all the other films we have reviewed on this podcast. Follow us at the Twice Over on all the socials to keep up with us on our watch schedule and hit us up if you have any movie suggestions for us. All right, back to the episode with myself, Fahad, and Yusuf. Fahad and Yusuf, what's up, guys? What up? Uh, I'm not ready. I'm never ready. You guys always surprise me with the introduction. Anyways, hi. <laughs> so we're reviewing a Oscar bait movie today. It, it won the Golden Globes. Best picture. Tonight. But yeah. Best picture, uh, best director. Best it won director best director too. too? Yeah, buddy. Um, I guess this movie's actually been out similar to Minari. Like it's been out in like festivals, but uh, publicly available. Uh, it's only this year. Okay. So this movie is adapted from a book, right? Yeah. Correct. Have yeah. y'all read it? No, we didn't. This is not book club. This is film club. <laughs> oh, I forgot what club. I was I'm told in. there would be no right. reading. Um, <laughs> no, yeah. I, 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 have you read it? I haven't. I haven't read it. I had not heard of it until, until this, this movie came out. This movie, no. Yeah, until the end of the movie when I was like, oh, based off this screen, it's a screenplay written for the. Uh, yeah, it's a 2017 book, um, and it looks like it did win some awards. You know, that's kind of. I feel like the book. I would like more than I like this movie. I would agree with that sentiment because there are a lot of interesting characters, which a movie doesn't have enough time to explore. Right. Yeah. Um, It's not the right format to explore the inner lives of characters. And um, I think the term you use for is very apt and correct because this is Oscar bait. I think Yusuf, when you mentioned it, that this one best picture last night, I mean, like it, again, my, my, my thing was like, it didn't surprise me. It's like the right balance of boring and artsy that it would win. Mm. Yeah. Sounds it, like I'm hating on it. But again, I think it's because there's there are definitely good moments in this movie and good things about this film. And we're going to talk about all of that. But, but. but sometimes you can just look at the movie and you can say based on kind of the correct technical term is the vibe. Um, <laughs> it, it just it feels like they picked this movie thinking like, Hey, this is going to be like an artsy film that, you know, we can kind of, you know, you, you can build around this type of, of, you know, the, the nonfiction book. So, you know, it just, you have enough material there and you think, okay, I think I can build a nice screenplay around that and build an artsy film. And that's not a bad thing. I I shouldn't say that's a bad thing, but, but as you get into awards season, it just, you, you expect these kind of movies to kind of float to the, to the top. Right. Um, Interestingly enough, Francis Mc the the book was optioned by Francis McDormand and Peter Spears, so I guess Francis McDormand was involved, not you know brought on as part of the cast necessarily, but kind of one of the drivers of making this film, or at least mm-hmm. you know choosing yeah. to get the film made. Yep, yep. I think she's also credited as a producer. Okay, yeah. So there you go. Into the scores, shall we? Yeah. All right. Uh, for the narrative, I gave the narrative a sixty. I gave it a 55. 50 for me. Nice. I was afraid I was going to be way lower than you guys. No, yeah. I think we can agree that it's... Uh, it's worthy a of a 50 that... to a 60. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, not, it's not the most interesting movie in terms of plot or story, but eh, mm-hmm. that's not what, what you're coming in to watch this movie for, really. Sure. All right. Writing, 75. 80. 70. All right, man, we're close. Yeah. Um, acting, I give an 80. I give an 85. 70. Themes, I give a 95. I gave it a 85. 80. Aesthetics, 85. 80. 90. Hmm. Ooh. Okay. Uh, Use a little flipping flopping. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay, so as far as how we rated this movie, right, my... My tally comes out to a 77, Fahad is 81, and Yusuf is 62. <laughs> uh, well, again, this is, right, we, uh, this is based on what we individually uh, like in a movie. Yusuf uh-huh. really likes the narrative to be, 
or considers the narrative be, be a very important element of the film. And that was also his lowest score. That's probably right. what's driving his score down. Yeah, so. And also note, like these are our individual tallies based on our individual scores. When you see the scores on the website, it's an average of our three for each element and then weighted ba- based on however you like to see the movie. Right. So, you know, essentially what, what the, the, three, the final scores that you just gave us for us three, those are by our individual, like, you know, flavor profiles, essentially, right? What we look for in a film uh, and weighting the categories that we care about most, uh, the, the the heaviest, right? And the ones mm-hmm. that we don't care about the least. And I'll, I'll tell you right now, I gave a 90 for aesthetics, but aesthetics is not very high up on my list. So yeah. that just doesn't help my score that much. And I think that's correct because I can appreciate that the aesthetics are very good and also say, that's just not something that I care about in a film. So I'm not going to, uh, I, I shouldn't see a movie rated very highly just because it has good aesthetics. Um, in, in a holistic sense, it shouldn't have a high rating for me, right? So, yeah. um, and, and the same goes for each of our scores. So I think, I mean, I think that makes sense. And I knew, like, when, as we went down our scores, we were pretty close most of the way, right? We are, yeah. But We're, the, we're within uh, 10 for every single one. And yet, my total score, ju- you know, drops into this valley and ends up at a sixty-two. Yeah. Um, well, except for themes, it's a fifteen-point difference. That, that so yeah. Interestingly enough, I mean, I just I feel like we can agree on a lot of the elements of this film, and we feel very differently about the film, nonetheless. I think so. Yeah. Um, and again, I don't think it's gonna be uh, that surprising to people who look it up on other websites. If you were to look at IMDb, the audience score is way lower than what you see for Metacritic. So like 93 and 7.6, right? Metacritic's 94. Wow. Oh, it's 94? Yeah. That's usually the one I go off of. As that's the, I mean, that's a critical. I mean, yeah, same thing on Rotten Tomatoes. The tomato yeah. meter is at 94 versus audience being 15 points lower at 79. So, yeah. Those aren't really capturing, obviously, everything. Our scores are a little more specific, so we're going to talk about it in more detail. That was the jump? That's the jump, guys. We've jumped into the future. Jump around. (laughs) Can we play that? The song? Jump around? No, we don't have the the license. Probably maybe like three seconds worth without getting in trouble. (laughs) Is, Is that it, Yusuf? Three seconds is all we get? You get zero unless you have a reason to put it in there um, outside of just wanting to play the song. So uh, why don't you just do a reenactment of it and we, we can hear <laughs> that. that. That's uh, all good. No, thanks. <laughs> all right. Um, all right. So we've jumped in the future uh, because Chloe Zhao is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And um, so now we're into next week. <laughs> And we're, we're we're still talking about this freaking movie, Nomadland. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Fahad, you, I'm surprised you're saying you didn't actually enjoy it. Um, I can say yeah. that I didn't think it was great, but uh-huh. I still actually enjoyed the movie. It, it, it was kind of like, it, it was a good watch in my opinion. Was there enough of a narrative to keep you interested? Enough of a story? That's what I found no. the movie lacked the most, right? Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I don't think Were, there was enough to the narrative, okay. but I thought there so then, was... If the story doesn't fulfill that um, that need, right, that whole, it falls onto the characters. Were the characters interesting enough to hold your attention? I, I would say yes. yes. Right. Yeah. You would say yes? Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I enjoyed it, that second point you just made. Oh, I, I would say no. Oh. They're, they're not interesting enough, um, which is which is why I gave it not a good score for, for narrative. I mean, what, what, did you, what, did you, what did you think about character development in this movie there isn't any (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, a little bit um yeah i mean fern the main character francis mcdormand's character right doesn't really develop a whole lot more so i mean maybe this is a story more about you know you are who you are um Mm -hmm. in certain ways right um and you know just to briefly briefly summarize the narrative of this movie because i don't think i need to really spend much time narratively this movie is about a woman named fern um who lives in a small uh you know industrial town in nevada called empire um which which shuts down its you know its big plant which means that all the people that lived in that town are pretty much out of 
out of jobs and the town is is quite literally ended with the with the ending of that that plant right um and so as a result of that she just kind of gets on the road in her well her, not just that her she her husband passes away her husband passes away and then she stays in that town of empire for years I assume yeah. until the until city... like it's pretty much impossible to live there. Right. right. Yeah. I guess uh, I was thinking about it in she had been there for a while without her husband, essentially. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. And so when the when the plant closes, that's like the last thing that she has tying her to that town. Right. Um, and so she she kind of heads up on this on this unplanned road trip of you know traveling from you know what you would call you know nomad group to nomad group essentially right uh there's people just like her who are in their vans living in there have their you know essentially their their vehicles retrofitted um for you know full tiny living <laughs> and um you know they 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 live in these makeshift communities um in, in the middle of nature essentially right um can i clarify something yeah um so it's very much out of necessity. It's not like she's enjoying this life or any of the other people within their group are necessarily enjoying these lives. It's more that they find this the better option than being like a slave to a mortgage. Right? Well, I don't know if it's out of necessity, man, because she has the opportunity to live with her sister. Uh, she mm-hmm. has the opportunity to stay with Dave um, she definitely doesn't have to stay in this uh, lifestyle, and she continues to do so. It's a different kind of necessity, right? I mean, it's it's definitely not a necessity out of financial burden um, or you know just any other reason for for being homeless because they don't consider themselves homeless, right? Um, she right. actually makes a point of that and says that she's houseless, right? Um, yeah, it's more so that. They feel some need to be out in that nature, and that is undefined. We can, mm-hmm. you know, you can you can say that it's a necessity in in all different ways, right? Every person has their own kind of baseline for what they need out of life, and for her, she needs to be um, on the road because she's like a very restless person, and she she's she's unable to to just you know settle down and and abandon, I guess, what what she feels is like her her husband's legacy. Um, and, and it seems like a lot of the people out there have some sort of grief that is that is uh, dragging uh, them down um, and that they're, they're trying to find release for, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm spending more time on this narrative than I even wanted to because basically there's a lot of that. Um, we see that a lot of different ways. She, you know, she, and she comes across a few friends. There's a few friends that she, you know... Uh, follows around essentially you know she she meets them in one town she goes to another town with them and they 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 move from place to place together um there's there's a a love interest right there's there's a man who kind of takes a liking to her but she's not sure that she's ready to you know settle down or have any sort of commitment to anyone else right um and she she talks to her her family she meets back up with her sister who she hasn't seen in years because uh mostly out of that's you know simply because she she needed money and didn't know where else to turn to um, and, and, you know, we get some backstory about why she's out there and, and how she's, you know, still not able to basically just go and be with people that, that love her. She kind of needs to be on her own. Um, we just kind of watch this kind of circling around for, for, you know, an hour and a half or so. Um, <laughs> and, and on the other side of that, I'm not even saying that it was a bad experience, but on the other side of that, Fern has to make hard decisions about what she's going to do with her life, how she's going to move on, whether she's going to move on. And the answer seems to be that she she knows who she is and she she doesn't feel like there's something to move on from. Uh, maybe she's just she's just happy Ooh. where she is, right? I don't know if I agree with that. I think the ending of the movie is very clearly indicating that she was holding on to the past, like her life at Empire and like, continuing to mourn what was um and like at the very end when she decides to give away all the stuff that she had in stories at empire in empire mm-hmm. um and then she goes into the old house that she used to be in and she like looks out I, it told me that this is her finally finally letting this part of her life go and she's gonna officially move on into her next chapter whereas before um when she was doing this nomad lifestyle she was still like dragging 
you know, the, I guess, the memories of, like, you know, what was lost at Empire. That's a very good clarification. Um, I, I, I suppose, I guess, what I'm saying is more so that I, I don't know that her lifestyle is going to change, but it seems like her mindset, as you've pointed out, has dramatically shifted, right? Um, yeah. Because she's letting yeah, go yeah. of a lot of that. As she as she says uh, in the movie, I think, it, you know, that which... Am I going to get the quote right? No, I'm not. Um, that that which is remembered lives, right? And then she says, yeah. I think I've been doing a little bit too much remembering and, and, and not enough living, essentially, right? Uh, and that's her kind of saying, look, you know, maybe... I am, you know, maybe I need to let go of this stuff. That doesn't mean that she doesn't think she's been living. You know, she maybe really enjoys the lifestyle that she's built and she may be continuing that. But there's going to be a a change in kind of the the mindset as to why she's out there and what she's trying to accomplish. Exactly, yeah. So, like, um, yeah, I'm not saying that she uh, is going to give up that nomad lifestyle, but if you compare it to the other characters that she comes across, right, um swanky the one who has only a few months left to live she still has a um there's still like an objective to her her nomad living like she's still going to go do something she's not just aimlessly driving around you know um linda she also has a plan of some sorts while she is living that nomad life dave he's kind of in the same boat as her until like her his son convinces him to come home but like she just she just seemed to be aimlessly lost and just you know going with the flow and then at the very end it's almost like all right now i'm gonna do this i'm gonna live this lifestyle but like i assume like we don't obviously get that much information but like she's gonna have a reason to do it right she's gonna she's not gonna just be living through the other people that she comes across because each of them individually just have their own plans and then they eventually, you know, leave because they're going to go live their life or do whatever they need to do. And she's just left alone after every single, like, uh, after every single moment that she, like, gets close to someone. Yeah, I think that's right. It's on her own terms now rather than her being stuck back there, right? Um, You know, in that point in her life. Um, Yeah, so that's that's really all the movie's about and you know really again i think we spent more time than it was worth explaining that because really i don't think a lot happens in this movie or there's a lot of the same that happens my thing is i think i could if someone gave me all the raw footage of this movie i think i mm-hmm. could recut it and rearrange like 70% of the scenes and make the same movie like you could rearrange so like tell me how many scenes are there in this movie that it's like this scene really has to be at this point in the movie otherwise it doesn't make sense i think there's maybe like three or four of those scenes everything else you can just interchange and it does not make a difference because like her being in the those nomad communities it's all kind of the same footage a lot of it is beautiful footage a lot of it is just interesting or funny um I just don't think it's cohesive in a way that like, you know, it's really like a work of art in terms of how the movie is arranged and put together. Um, and so that tells me that there's not really much of a narrative. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree yeah. with you there. I think you're right. Um, I can only think of like a few, like I mentioned, like each of her friends that she does come across. I mean, you could just switch them around like when they happen in the movie. Was there any real reason for them to, for it to happen in the order that it did? not really except for like i guess linda because linda is the one who convinces her from the amazon warehouse to go down to arizona in the first place but nothing else like actually drives the story right or the plot i should say yeah it's just there's there's really there's really a lot to be desired there for me i mean because the reason i think narrative is so important is because you know at some level filmmaking is storytelling right um i'm not sure that they're really telling a cohesive story um and and i guess you know we all agree that the narrative is not very good i think what i'm saying is this is why i think i need to have a good narrative to enjoy a movie um and so it really does impact my score more than it did you know either of yours i think right so that's that's kind of that's kind of where i where i land i mean i i won't even say like i didn't enjoy this movie at all but like if you ask me like knowing what I know now, would I watch it again? The answer is no. I mean, I just, <laughs> I would, I wouldn't sit down and, 
and watch it because I, I don't think they told me anything. It was a bunch of footage, like, and the footage was beautiful, um, mm-hmm. which we will get to, but it was just footage. <laughs> like, yeah, I just noticed that the movie is composed of a lot of, um, I don't know, little chunks of stories that could be told as shorts, and there's no reason for this to exist as a movie. <laughs> Right? You heard it here first (laughs) on the twice over. There's no reason for this to exist as a movie. Golden Globe winner, Nomadland. Yeah, Yeah, these uh these voters have something wrong. Yeah. Um I'm look, I get exactly what all of you guys are saying. It makes sense to me. But I just thought that uh I guess I did give the highest score, but I mean I still thought it was below average, right? At sixty for the narrative. I, I thought Fern's character and her um sure she doesn't have character development, but what she is dealing with I thought was interesting enough for the purpose of this story. You know, what you just said just reminded me of the other um movie that was very well received by the Academy. It's it's with the uh, Affleck brother. He's living in Boston. Oh, a... Manchester by the Yeah. Scene. Just because of that movie, in that entire movie, he's depressed and nothing is really going on. Um, <laughs> I guess that reminds me of this movie because there's not much going on. And remember, at... I remember also kind of, I, I know you're probably right because I remember feeling the same way about it, kind of how I feel about Nomadland. Yeah. I, I can enjoy it. I can appreciate it. But like, I'm not going to tell people to watch it. Right. Like, I'm not going to rewatch it. <laughs> I never rewatched uh, Manchester by the Bay or Manchester by the Sea. Whatever. By the Sea, yeah. I think I agree with you, though. I mean, Fern is an interesting character. I don't think we got enough there for that interest to uh, to be justified, I guess. I mean, they just they didn't do enough with it. But, like, on the face, it has all the makings of a good character. Um, I just wanted it to go somewhere with that character. Um, and, and it just didn't, it didn't really, I mean, it, it, it did, as we discussed, there is some sort of shift. There is some sort of development within that character. Um, but I I just, I I think, I think we, we got from point A to point B in a very, very roundabout way. I mean, it was just, uh, you know, if you draw the path from the beginning of this movie to the end of this movie, it's just like a bunch of squiggles in a circle. Uh, and then the ending point is like, you know a few feet away from, from, from the start. I mean, you just, you, you only moved so much, um, and you took a lot of time to tell us that. Um, so I, yeah, I just, I just wanted to see more. There's no, there's no interest from you guys about just the lifestyle itself. Cause I find it kind of fascinating. Um, I don't think I could ever do it, but like a part of me kind of wishes I could have one life where I did do it. <laughs> and Fahad, especially you, you actually like this outdoorsy crap. <laughs> You just said crap. Um, I mean, like you're probably the most likely out of anyone I know that could actually do this or would actually do this. I should say the lifestyle living in uh, on the road like this. No, it wouldn't. Appeal Didn't to me. you have a project you wanted to do where you wanted to take a school bus and convert it to an RV? So, yeah. Come on. <laughs> yeah. 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 But so in short bursts. How is that in, like, not, not interesting to you? Not living like, years on end on the road. Sure. I think the lifestyle is cool. I mean, it's something you would want to know about. But again, there's a documentary of this exact same subject matter based on the exact (laughs) same book called Camper Force, right? So why would you watch the the, the fictional, you know, recreation of that book when you can watch the documentary version if you're really in it for finding out about the the lifestyle (laughs) and the subject matter? It's it's just, you, you know, like, and they do a lot of stuff when the the reason i say that is because you see how that plays out like if you were really in it for that what you actually get is a bunch of dramatized versions of like you know of of how things happen out there or like you know the the real the the oh, yeah, you know yeah, yeah. In, yeah. in ways that's helpful right because the the beauty that they show and that they capture and, and they capture it so well on camera it's it's it, you know it's stunning uh and and so that's a positive right but also like they do things like just little things they do to show us the 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 lifestyle the culture like where she's in bed and then suddenly she jumps up and pulls out her bucket and barely gets her pants down we have to listen to her (laughs) pooping in a bucket in her van like 
why? Like, I mean, like, because that didn't have anything to do with anything. Like, it's not like, like, literally, she had diarrhea. And then like, the next scene, like, the, she no longer had di- like the diarrhea never came back. There was nothing that was just to show you that like, yeah, people shitting buckets out here. You know what I mean? Like, that was it. <laughs> I, I get, yeah, to illustrate the hardships of living on the road, right? But that was the hardships, really? <laughs> you know, the hardships was like the cold where you know like <laughs> she, she's stuck in her van and she doesn't want to yeah. leave her van but it's way too cold i mean the bucket is like the bucket i mean you choose a what i mean a, that's what, I, I guess that's something we can all relate to how terrible that be to be shitting in a bucket <laughs> with <laughs> diarrhea i mean it's probably a lot of it's probably one of the first questions most people would ask like well where do you go to the bathroom if you're living like that yeah especially because she's not in, like in a proper rv right she's in a she's in a van and she's in it basically because she's already kind of retrofitted it. And then also there's, there seems to be sentimental value attached to it, right? Um, and <laughs> yeah. so she doesn't want to be get a proper RV or something. Um, so she's kind of making it or even tougher. Or maybe herself. she can't afford it, right? A proper RV probably costs a lot more. Yeah, yeah, also true. Um, I mean, yeah, but it's, it's yeah, I guess it could be just the money aspect of it too. Um but yeah, anyways, I mean, she's she's not in in kind of ideal situation there. So like she she goes through a lot of trouble to to keep herself out there and and, you know, living that lifestyle. I mean, even that even that van breaks down and she ends up spending two grand to, you know, get it uh, fixed back up so that she doesn't have to buy a new one when she you know, she's she's almost paying the, the cost of the entire the the value of the entire van in order to get it repaired mm-hmm. so i mean I, I i just assume there's some sentimental value there but um, yeah i think you're right I, I think you're right on that um she she considers it her home and she's not gonna just give it up so easily what'd you guys think of the uh the score the ludovicio score uh i okay did um, you recognize it i did recognize okay. it but one for one moment that was not well done um Let's see. I actually wrote it down because I was like, "Why did they do? Why this? did they play this movie music?" No, What's no, the? Um, tell me <laughs> more about movie. the. What did you like? Is it a recognizable score? Because I did not recognize it. Oh yeah, this composer. I've been a fan of his for ten plus years. Um, I don't know what else he's done, but I've just heard just a bunch this one of his thing. Movie. He he's, he just did that one score, and he's been no trading, no, no. trading off of it for the last. I don't know this particular score, but it's. Uh, I instantly recognized it as his because it's his style. But you said uh, you're you're a mm. fan of his, so do you right, know any, but I don't, do you know anything other than the one? So, name one other score he's done, bro. Sure, Fly. <laughs> oh, okay, fine. Fly. <laughs> it's in the movie Untouchables. What you call? You said Fly, right? But that's the, that's the name of the title of the score, that, not the title of the actual. That's film. the title of a song, um, and it's played in the Untouchables in the film. Mm, okay, okay, so then where is this score from originally? Okay, so I have no. I idea. mean, let me just go through the list because I actually looked it up. He's okay. done uh, the score for Black Swan, mm-hmm. Intouchables, like you just mentioned, Jay Edgar, this movie. I know his song appeared in the movie Mommy, Mommy, by uh, Xavier Dolan, the Canadian film. Mm. Yeah, so he's. I mean, he's been around. Obviously, he's been doing yeah, television th- and film scores since the eighties. His music fits films and television very well. There's something about it. It's modern. Music. Okay, so let me mention the one place where I didn't like it, right? Uh-huh. Uh, it's like the sad piano playing. It's after... Oh, it's when Dave like when Dave goes back with his son because his son's about to have a kid. Yeah. And again, we're left with Fern, who's once again alone. And she's there's going through like a montage of a couple of shots of her just chilling and like being by herself. And then uh, she's sitting on the on a ledge or like up in the in the the badlands right yeah Yeah. in the badlands and like a few hundred feet away there's like a truck a few guys and drinking beer a guy on a guitar singing that song that he's singing is like going back and forth overlap with the actual score in the movie and i'm like what do they want us to be listening to right now yeah that didn't make any sense at all because they they faded into the song and then they faded it out so that score could come in and then it went back the other way i was like this is you totally took me out of the movie yeah it's like pick one moment is ruined yeah the way they were doing that that's the only time i noticed if i had otherwise i didn't really notice it. yeah that scene felt a little bit like trippy like i don't know like i almost thought like there's like you know it you would hear something like that in like some sort of like mind bendy like thriller moment of a movie and i was like what is like i don't know it was like it was it was pretty much a mess basically is what it was but um 
Yeah, I, I, I noticed that too. It, it it just it caught me by surprise. But otherwise, I mean, I actually liked the score. I liked most of the, the music. Um, perhaps one might say it's a little bit heavy, but in the end, there's so many natural shots in this film. So they had a lot of opportunity to use it and, and they did. And I think that's fine because the movie was just reliant on, on those types of scenic shots uh, to a heavy degree already. So you might as well maximize that. Yeah, uh, I guess I will. I, I did. I shouldn't say I didn't notice it. I did notice it and I thought it was well placed. And it, like Yusuf said, it fit the film, mm-hmm. except for that one moment that I mentioned. Um, it especially fit well the montages that they were doing, right? Yeah, exactly. So generally it did fit well and it made sense. Um, again, it was sentimental, like soft music yeah. that fit with the entire, entire movie, the rest of the movie. But aesthetically otherwise, right? Visually, I thought... It was great. It was good looking. It was. I thought the camera work was great too, uh, especially how how close we stayed with Fern the entire movie. The handheld shots following her, just it, it would be you know above the torso, pretty up close. Um, she was almost frequently centered on the on the frame. I just like how consistent it was. Like it it was like predictable, and just. It just made you feel more comfortable, I think. That's what, what they were trying to go for. And I think they achieved it. No other thoughts? Other than saying it, it just looks good? No. <laughs> yeah, you know, and cinematography is sometimes hard for me to kind of quantify into, you know, individual elements in terms of, like, how they how they executed it. Um, yeah. it's, it's very much kind of an art about, you know, the overall look and feel and knowing how those you know, those elements interplay, um, which, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not always able to pick that up on, on a single watch anyways. Um, but you just, you do notice that they put a lot of detail into their choices, right? Um, like there's just, there's so many little moments that you can see. And sometimes those little moments add up to something bigger, right? But it's just like, there was, there's so many close shots, like you said, there's shots like, I just remember this one, uh, there's, there's some shots of her driving down the road in her, in her van and, the camera is positioned just at the right depth so that like it's almost as though your screen is her windshield right and you can you can see the wiping of the the windshield wiper yeah. going straight across the screen right at that level you know what i mean i mean they just mm-hmm. they you could tell how much detail they put into that that's the thing that i notice m- more than anything on a single watch is just you can you can tell where there's detail uh, and then it takes me a little while to process like exactly what went into all of that which i think you two pick up a lot quicker than i do um but yeah i mean that that's that's something that I, you can say for sure that they that, that it was very carefully thought out um just to make you feel in those moments um and again i mean sometimes i think we we give additional points for like beautiful shots of scenery right and and i think that's that's okay um but that's not all you want to see in a in a film right you just can't rely on it and they use so much of that in this movie that if it was just that i i would probably I mean, it would almost be a criticism because you can't just throw in a bunch of shots of mountains and be like, yeah, great cinematography. <laughs> they didn't do that. They didn't stop at that is what I want to say, right? Um, yeah, they didn't yeah. just rely on that even though they had so much of it. Um, they went beyond that for sure. There, yeah. There's that one scene that comes to mind. It's where uh, Fern, she's uh, she's seaside. It looks like the Oregon coast or something and the camera works all like handheld and it's like wobbly. And it's supposed mm, to be like yeah, yeah. her emotions where it's like she feels alive. Yeah, it's an interesting scene. Yeah, sure. that was after she had already stayed with Dave and his son. And then she decides that she's going to leave. Right. right. Yeah. I mean, let's talk about the themes here. Uh, I think there's one moment in this movie where I guess it's the purpose that the film is trying to convey comes through like in this one moment where Swanky who is saying that she's about to pass away because she's her cancer has come back. She only has like a few months left to live. Yeah. And um, she's reflecting back on her life. So basically that entire scene where she's reflecting back and she's like, hey, look, I've lived 75 years or whatever. I've done all these things. I've kayaked in all these great places. Um, and then she's recalling this one single moment when she was kayaking and... Um, she mentions she swallows, goes into right? great yeah the swallow the swallow nest and how they're all flying and the eggshells are floating on in the water and she felt you know i guess you could say complete because uh, she says that she could have died at that moment and been totally okay with that and that's like what fern like that's what she needs to find 
like that moment that she can be like, hey, yeah. I'm good. You know, like this is this is all worth it. So that and one euphoric moment, that's what these guys are all seeking. More or less, yeah. Like, I mean, like a capstone, guess, almost, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I wouldn't say like it's the only moment, but like, yeah, like you said, the capstone, right? Like the, like it encompasses all the smaller moments too in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like the major theme that I thought that this movie is trying to convey, and um, I actually liked it. I liked it quite a bit. I thought they did a really good job of describing like her memory of it and then mention showing it later yeah, as well right just that but then also how fern is like when, when i mentioned that she is um like letting like holding on to her past still yeah like her holding on to her life and empire what she had and what she has lost she's not letting herself find those new moments that will make it worth that would make her life feel more complete i guess yeah yeah more complete there you go that's what we're watching. We're watching Fern finding those moments. And we can assume that these little moments with all these different characters that she has, even though the, we we can agree that there's no point in what order we see them in the movie, but like those are the moments that she's going to, you know, these are the little moments that are going to build up, build up, build up into like these grander moments that she's just going to recall when she gets older and older. I mean, that's that's how I'm thinking about it or seeing it. Wouldn't Wouldn't you also say there's like an element of, I don't know, you know, the the you know age old adage of just it's not about the destination it's about the journey right there's like <laughs> yeah. there's some sort of underlying element of that going on too right where these people are looking for something but more so they're experiencing them being out there just looking for the answers and that is kind of that is kind of their end goal in the end just to 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 be there searching um to a degree right i mean i even the guy at the end who i don't know who he was but just that guy with the white beard that says a lot of philosophical stuff um <laughs> he kind of says that like a lot of people out here they'll never find their answers and that's okay yeah but it, i guess it does still bother me that if we're watching a journey then the journey has to have an order to it and this didn't or didn't have any meaningful it didn't. order to well, it it didn't yeah, yeah. um but we can assume maybe it will going forward. Yeah, I think that's that's fair, right? Because her she's been in a bit of disorder to this point and hasn't really been yeah. doing what she should have been there to do, essentially. So, um, yeah, I guess I guess that's fair. Again, we we talked about uh, Into the Wild, and I mean, I really love that movie because of the whole coming of age aspect of it, finding oneself, etc. You could say this has those elements in it too um it's not really the same vein as it would be like if you're a young kid <laughs> yeah it's definitely um, not as angsty our, right is this our is this our latest uh effort to characterize a movie as coming of age that definitely shouldn't be what was the last one we, the, it, i think a prophet was the last one we're we like prophet, this is coming of yeah. age for sure <laughs> so it's not coming of I age mean, it's going of age <laughs> yeah there you go <laughs> yeah because uh, that's like the only difference really is that well, like we said, she doesn't like change in terms of who she is. Um, she just knows herself better, right? Yeah, she, she's she's she knows herself better. Um, I I think I really like that line that her sister says, like, "Hey, you've you've just always been braver. Like that's why you're able to do this, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're just braver than the rest of us." Yeah, and I I guess it's just us watching her journey as she. She has to do the brave thing and like, you know, like go and move on and keep doing this. I think I think thematically that that those sequences with that white bearded guy kind of probably took me out of it a bit, though. Right. I <laughs> so, mean, something Bob. What? Bob. Yeah. Why okay. did you hate Great. his character? That's or so much it? more detailed than, than the description I gave. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the weird white bearded guy. Santa Claus. Bob. Yeah. Um, he looks like Santa Claus. Yeah. Santa Claus, go. Bob. OK. So you guys know who I'm yeah. talking about. Yeah. I mean. The, yeah. I think there was just one too many shots of him like telling us the theme on on screen, right? Which yeah, is always yeah, kind of annoying. Yeah. And they, it's not like that was the only. They did so much telling even without those that I don't know why they threw those in there. Like they, it's not like they were relying on them to convey the theme. They already had that elsewhere, and then it was like, here we go. Let's just be gratuitous about it. So yeah, I probably could have done with one or two less of those scenes. So, but you know, overall, I think the theme was well conveyed. Or. Yusuf, like you said, like the scene didn't have to be there towards the end of the movie. If they had done it at the beginning, it would have made more sense, right? Didn't they have him at the at the beginning, kind of? I mean, it's like a voiceover, but I think it was a carryover of that same conversation that she's having later. I'm not totally oh, sure because I'm I was thinking, so... 
I was so disoriented. But I mean, yeah. <laughs> she she she's she's telling somebody about kind of how she ended up there, and that person is also telling them about their experiences. And I think that was Bob. And like we we just get kind of glimpses of that, and then there's like a much longer segment of that towards the end of the movie. Um, that's yeah. what I'm recalling. But maybe those were disconnected moments. But you know, I, either way, yeah. Like I just I, I think I agree with you. It was like you could have put it somewhere else, or you could have not put it at all, and you would have been fine. Yeah. yeah, so guys, Bob Wells is a real dude who has a YouTube channel called Cheap RV Living. He has 481,000 subscribers. Um, so I'm pretty sure he was not... I mean, he. I don't know like what was real and not real in terms of his story, but like, um, not just him, but I think a lot of the characters in this film were not professional trained actors. Oh, they're just actual nomads? I think so. Because if you look at the um, if you look at the cast, I mean, I noticed it even when the credits were rolling. It's just all the all the character names are just the actor's first name. So like Linda is Linda May, Patty is Patricia Greer. Um, like it's just the same, and no, none of these people have like a profile really um, of like other works. I think uh, the guy who played Dave, who's David. Uh, straight straightern he has uh some other roles but even like swanky she doesn't have any other previous gigs so like i don't i think a lot of these people are just like actual nomads that would make sense because i don't think they you know i i I think they they all fit the roles i don't think they had to do anything they didn't have to do anything very uh heavy any heavy lifting really in terms of the acting right um and they 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 just their roles didn't require it and they didn't do it either right so i think that was fine um they they were sufficient for that and then and then and then there's francis mcdormand you know what i mean that's how i kind of felt about the acting overall. yeah i don't think i've ever seen francis in another movie i think she's also a nomad <laughs> <laughs> um, i just cut that out except <laughs> my jeez uh, uh <laughs> well haven't you no th- this movie is Whoa. a prequel to so at the end of the movie when she walks uh-huh. out of the town she ends up going to ebbing missouri and then and then stabbing a bunch of police <laughs> and then officers and stuff. she goes on to fargo right <laughs> that's the progression becomes a cop no that was the beginning she started out in fargo and she's lamenting uh the loss of her oh yeah okay yeah Get with it. Anyway, yeah. So, I mean, well, what were our acting scores here? I give it an 85, if I recall. Yeah, I give it an 80. So, I think, and Yusuf went average. I mean, so I think I just told you it, why I, I wasn't very high on it, but talk me out of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not really going to talk you out of it. I think uh, the only reason I went high is because of Francis McDormand. Everyone else was average or uh, not. Yeah. Do you know one guy who wasn't, <laughs> wasn't average? Uh, the guy that is running the storage facility in Empire, when he, he just he just didn't seem like he he uh, I don't think he was a train actor either. I don't know what his name was either. Like I, so I can't like look up his name here. But like he he took me out. I'm like man, that dude is definitely not like a real actor here. This dude this, he doesn't want to be in front of the camera right now. Like I can see that I can tell. So that guy was in like. Like ten seconds of this movie, right? I know, but it's those little <laughs> moments that I like. You pick notice, and again, for me, it's always whatever takes me out of the movie. That took me out of the movie for that. Well, moment. come on, I was like, <laughs> that I know that this, like, I know that this guy's uncomfortable right now in front of the camera. My point is, I gave it a high score because of Frances McDormand. That's why, I think she carries this movie, and she is like ninety-seven percent of the uh, film. Um, other. Do we ever focus on other characters if she's not there? Um, I don't think so. Not for long segments, at least. So, I mean, I, I can't yeah. even really think of a scene she's not in. Yeah, the only time we're not like focused on her is like when it's like more like one of those montage shots or like it's like scenery stuff. Um, but otherwise, it's all her. So, I mean, and she was great. I thought that's why I went above average. But I can totally see an average score too because. Everyone else is just whatever. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think that Linda just wasn't was as hot on uh, Frances McDormand's performance. So you know, I, I just it didn't it, it wasn't enough to really pull the the score up uh, just on its own. I guess. Um, yeah. Not, I mean, again, not, she doesn't do anything wrong. I mean, there's just it's it's very minimalist kind of in terms of 
in terms of the the performance i felt because again i mean fine she she does show some emotion she does convey some emotion but there there's there's she doesn't have to develop you know in that character so so then she's being asked to do less she's kind of pay, playing a, a fairly static character from start to finish so um no but she still does a good job i'm i'm not taking that yeah, away yeah. that's kind of that's I more so the plot the the that's a problem from the plot and or the writing you could say so the character's range is like limited so like i get what you're saying there's not much for her to uh, present mm-hmm other than with like that one thing that she is has to do and she does that well yeah. and pooping in a bucket don't forget that <laughs> oh the sheer panic on her face was incredible i want her yeah, the act- she... the oscar best actress <laughs> uh was she nominated for it yeah she was nominated for oh it. for golden globe uh, yeah for, right. yeah for golden golden globe we don't know the um the actual oscar stuff yet because it's not uh released in terms of who's been nominated i'm, I'm sure she will be though right Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think she will be. I'm sure Nomad Lane will also be nominated for Best Picture as well. All right, crazy uh, conspiracy theory time. Um, yeah. Okay, so this this movie is actually a crossover with Into the Wild, and that guy at the gas station that she offers a sandwich to, that is the guy from Into the Wild. Wait, what? What, what sandwich? <laughs> yeah, that's the same. That's the, the young guy. That's the guy that. Yeah, that's the guy that Fahad was saying oh, okay. that the the conversation is almost verbatim from into the wild where she's like do your parents know where you are uh where are you from etc all that stuff yeah exactly i'm okay with that interpretation do you know that actor that you that she's talking to there he his name is cat clifford he's his character's name is cat in the film okay he's in two other films from the same director the writer and songs uh my brothers taught taught me and his character's name in both of them is also Cat Clifford. <laughs> He's never played a character that's not his own name. Wait, but that's not fair. <laughs> I guess, but like you know, th- this character didn't ha- this character did not need a name in this movie. You know what I mean? It was just fine. yeah, fine. Random nomad on the, you know what I mean? Like they they gave it a name just to give it a name in the credits. Like well, all three movies are Chloe Zhao, so maybe she just doesn't like giving characters names that are not the actual actors actually name. that's maybe a good point point. You know, maybe that's something we just don't know about her maybe she just generally does that just lets people keep their names so eternals the marvel marvel movie is going to have Selma hike andrew and jolie oh, they're all gonna be just <laughs> she's going to totally nuke the the mcu she's just, just like no none of you are going to be continuous with your previous characters you're changing your names for my movie <laughs> I think it'll it'll be interesting though to see Chloe Zhao do. I mean, if you see that she can do a movie like this, and then she goes into you know a Marvel movie, it's gonna be really interesting to to see how she how she puts that together. Um, and I mean, also it's just it's kind of like a. I mean, let, let's say she wins Best Director at the Oscars, and then she goes and does a superhero movie. Has that ever happened? Like ever? Um, You'd be hard pressed to think of a time, right? I I, I yeah, I, I can't. I remember thinking when Sam Mendes was doing uh, the Bond movie, I was like, oh, man, that's not good. Because mm. it's like a franchise. Um, but he killed it, right? He killed it with Skyfall. Yeah. Uh, How about so, um, um, Taika? Taika killing you with Thor Ragnarok. And he's got some other great movies. What We Do in the Shadows, Jojo the thing Rabbit. Is, like, the... He hasn't won an Oscar for Best Director, though, right? I don't think so, no. Yeah, and I'm speculating because mm-hmm. obviously Chloe Zhao has not won it yet either. Um, but I'm, I'm, I mean, I, I guess what I'm saying is like, there's a lot of people who poo-poo on superhero movies generally, as well as the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and like someone like her crossing over. I mean, you can, it can kind of, it can kind of be a demonstration that actually you can do this artfully too. Um, I would just be interested to see if she can pull that off and what people have to say about it after the fact if she does. Mm-hmm. There's the cynic in me tells me that creative control is taken away from her and it's going to be like, hey, you got to do it like this. You got to do it like this. Yeah, mm-hmm. perhaps. And or, you know, the, the critics generally look at it and say, look what a horrible job Chloe Zhao did on that. Like, guess she's a one hit wonder. I mean, they, they, like they just they will not give credit to a superhero movie, even if it's deserved. Maybe. Right. Like I could see it going both yeah. of those ways before I see it going like the other way where, you know, the next Marvel movie ends up nominated for best film and ends up winning <laughs> that or something like, I, you know, I, I could see a lot of the other outcomes before I see that one. Um, I feel like there would be there would need to be a change, a change in like how they approach filmmaking, because 
for those movies with big budgets, man, they just they have to they have to they have to perform basically. Like they have to make money. So I just can't see it. Like again, it's it's too risky to just go too creative with those things because you can't just afford a flop on such a big budget film. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So you got I mean, you got to play it safe. When you play it safe, it's not as interesting generally. I mean, isn't that what we hate about these Marvel these tentpole movies that they're way too formulaic? Exactly. No, I mean, that's my personal opinion on it. Um, yeah. I mean, it, I, I think it's no secret that Marvel it, movies are formulaic. I, I, overall, you know, or you probably can... probably the large majority of them are, and I, I don't think anyone's even going to fight you on that. If any, any, if anything, someone would say that it's a formula that works, and that's you know, but it is yeah. nonetheless formulaic, right? Um, so I think I think I'd agree on that point, and I think most people would. All right, um, Nomadland, Best Picture winner for the Golden Globes. Uh, Chloe Zhao, Best Director winner for the Golden Globes. We were generally not too hot on it. Kind of mixed. There are good stuff in the movie, though. We thought the thematic elements and the aesthetics of the film are very good. Uh, the, acting's are, the acting is solid, mainly because of Frances McDormand. The narrative, though, is kind of weak. And if you need the, 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 you know, the one-sentence uh, review from the Twice Over, it's uh, Fahad saying that... Uh, it has no business being a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I stand by that. I mean, uh, I uh, I support you because I think I agree. <laughs> Generally, I do too. Yeah. I mean, I could have gone my life without watching this. Um, I don't think it needed to be one. I wish people just said, hey, read this book. I think we're 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 being like overly harsh on it, but it's hard not to be overly we're harsh being on, harsh on it because it won, picture, man. Right? Yeah, that's why we're being harsh on it, to be honest. Because mm-hmm. yeah, that's if it if it if it didn't like get so many accolades, I would have been like, hey, yes, all right. I mean, now now it's overrated. So gotta be harsh. everything's overrated, or underrated. Nothing's properly rated. So <laughs> all right, we'll leave it at that. Thanks everyone. Thanks for listening. I hope we haven't underrated this movie because we talked it down too much. That would suck. Well, it'd be a pleasant surprise for uh, whoever's going into the movie. Like, that's hey, true and then they would overrate it but yeah, yeah. it's a vicious cycle <laughs> time is a flat circle thanks for listening to this production of the twice over if you enjoyed this episode consider subscribing and sharing it with a friend want to see what your tally is check out the twiceover.com all the movies we've done are listed there as well as what we're watching for the current week Follow us at The Twice Over on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where you can leave us any suggestions, feedback, or comments. And if you're about it, you can also support us on Patreon. The music you hear on this podcast is from Amerigo Gazaway. You can find his work on Bandcamp and Spotify. 